We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey, happy Thursday, everybody. This is Robert Graham filling in for my good buddy, Seth Leaps, and hopefully you're having a fantastic day. Feeling a little reprieve lately with the weather. Some clouds in the skies are always nice. The humidity doesn't feel too great. Again, from Michigan, this type of humidity is very different. The Michigan the humidity is something that you can basically cut with a knife. It's wild and crazy in other parts of the country. So I'm not going to whine too much because we have the eight or nine months of perfection as it relates to weather. But um, it has been a nice reprieve to have the clouds and to see the beauty that comes by way of the rain and such. So that being said, I hope we're doing well. We are in a time right now in history where you do nothing but wonder what does the future of the United States of America look like going forward? You can you can ask the same question as it relates to the state of Arizona. All the changes, the people. I've received lots of calls from reporters in the last few months, and just some of the questions are interesting because they're they're touching on things that looks more to the culture, right? You start talking about populist movements that are happening, a lot of reminiscing back to the Tea Party movement and such and what's happened in this country, and then where we are today. Are people unhappy? And then what are they doing about changes? Do they purge from within, or do you go against the real enemy, the enemy that's standing across from you? So there's a lot of different movements that are happening within the state, and there's people that are becoming so disenchanted with the whole political dynamic at all, they're sitting on their hands. They're sitting idle. They're sitting voiceless. They're choosing to be voiceless. And all of those have a compound impact on the outcome for our country, right? If you are the only ones, if you consider yourself a reasonable and thoughtful person and you're sitting on the sideline when so many things are happening, what's happening to our nation? Where are we going? What are the decisions that are being made for you? Because if you're not participating, they are being made for you. Uh, So many times I've heard people say that my vote doesn't count. My participation doesn't really matter. It's rigged. It's this. It's that. It's other. Well, the only way to change it is by getting involved and doing the right thing as it relates to the best possible outcome as you define it, as you define it with your family. You have unique needs and special dynamics that may fit within your family and the right policies and processes and statutes and leadership are going to have an influence and impact on your best possible outcome. Now, when you look at the national news, you look at the local news, again, you sit back and you wonder, what the heck could happen next? I mean, it it is dynamic in the sense that it's all over the place as it relates to the news, from assassination attempts, from the U.S. government attempting, working toward, and likely hiring 87,000 IRS agents. Now, just comprehending that. I mean, you look at the Diamondback Stadium or even ASU Stadium or any of the major bowls that you've been in before, that's more that can fit into those most of those locations. It's insane to think about that. We'll talk about the IRS posting, and you've heard this in the news, I'm sure, and maybe you need a little bit more detail. What they posted is, a, is a related to the available jobs. It is wild and crazy, to say the least. And so now what we do is we try to find our way through all the minutiae and the noise, and then we start saying, what really matters? Well, are we distracted? 
when you look at conservatives right now, are you distracted? Are we focused on the best possible outcome? We look at elections. We just came through our primary election. Now we've got our nominees. The people have said, this is who we want as our nominees. Now we're election. What are you doing to help it? Did your candidate win the primary? And if they did not win, are you the person that plugs your nose and sits in the sideline and does nothing and just see what happens because you just can't stand the nominee? Or are you somebody that's just going to roll up the sleeves, suck it up a little bit and do what you possibly can to at least have a good outcome? And the reason I talk about this is if you look at the democratic process, and when I'm not talking about the democratic process that relates to voting in this republic that we have here. I'm talking about the Democrats and what they do strategically. Now, you, we can define them as the progressive left. We can define them as liberal Democrats, however you want to say it. If you look at historically, they have a very good process for unifying behind a mission, whether that's getting Barack Obama uh, elected, getting Joe Biden elected, getting some policy like the affordable health care passed. And they just they, they unify, they share a message and they go. And a lot of times they don't even like each other. But they realize when they create that unified voice or unified front, they have great outcomes as it relates to their policy and process. Again, it's it's a half an inch forward or one mile forward. They don't care. They just want to move the ball forward. And as they do that, what happens, it doesn't just encroach on our freedoms and liberties. It's taking them away from us. But again, if we see it idle, we let them unify and they go right out on the battlefield. We sit in the fan, stands and start smacking each other. Because we would rather fight each other than we would fight the people that are really causing all the problems and really the emotion within the conservatives as well. Look, none of us want to see things come apart at the seams. But when we go through the show tonight, we're going to talk a lot about our immigration policies. We're going to talk about this tax dynamics that are happening. What's going on with inflation, the cost of goods, supply chain, all these supposed band-aid fixes. And then... You hear about our corrupt media. We talk about fake news, but now there's more and more indications coming out about how the news even looks to sources to even report something like they may even call Democrats and say, hey, is it OK? We we put this piece out and such. So as I touch on some of these things, you're going to see it again. You feel it. Sometimes we're not intimate. Sometimes the only time that we can get news is by listening to shows of this nature. When you're sitting at work, driving in the car, what have you, maybe you have time to read, but you're busy and you're trying to keep it together. And if you're like me, we've got six children in our family. We've got multiple vehicles. We're dealing with all the gas dynamics in this state. We're dealing with all the increases in food and stuff. I was in Home Depot today to buy a four by eight piece of plywood that is one quarter thick was 25 bucks for the cheap stuff. It was in the 40s for the stuff that's reasonable. Now, I'm telling you, if you, if you people say, like our president today, that there's no inflation, tell that to the contractors, tell, tell that to the finishers, tell that to people that are trying to make a living by building something that somebody can afford to buy. Okay, so you get to the point where there's a lot of outside influences and they're working us in. What's happening with interest rates? People talk about interest rates. What does that mean to you? Interest rates go up. Okay, yeah, it makes money more expensive. But what does that? Why does that? What does that do to home prices? What does that do to consumption behavior? What does that do as it relates to all the small businesses and the impact points that we have across the board? When you tax people, people pull away from pain. Okay, they just do. You touch a hot burner, you rip your hand off, and never do that again. Right? It's the same way when you feel pain from taxes, inflationary environments, things like that, interest rates, it changes people's behavior. So what we need to think about is how do we encourage people? Now we've got a House and Senate controlled by Democrats. We've got a a White House that right now he's starting to drop the boom 
because this is the year for him to do it. Okay, this is the year, one year out before election. Hopefully, the American people won't won't really feel the pain by the policy that they're going to put into place, and then they they try to stroll into this next election cycle in twenty twenty four, and that's exactly what's happening right now. So when you start seeing all of this policy and process that's coming into place, it's important for you to filter it. Now, this show you have high information callers. I think about the listeners that we have. You guys are high information voters. You're high information political people. This stuff is important to you. But one of the things that happens is you're one voice. And that that one voice can have a great impact if you talk to those people around you. I mean, you've got to keep it civil and you've got to do the best you possibly can. But making sure that you bring things into the light. I think is critically important. I ask a lot of questions. If people do not line up with me politically and maybe have a very differing opinion that I don't agree with at all, I ask questions. I ask lots of questions because it gets them thinking about when they have to argue a point and they can't, now you've got a basis to start to introduce that light, the truth, something that is actually the whole notion of the conservative movement in our country is to educate people in a way so they take action for the best possible outcome. And that is preserving a lot as it relates to limiting government, lowering taxation, understanding the value of accomplishment, this notion of individualism. How about exceptionalism, American exceptionalism? How about the right to life, the right to bear arms? As we go right down this whole mission, as it relates to the conservative movement in our country, what, do we, what we focus on, what we pour resources in, what we do is essential as, as it becomes optimal, I should say it's it, our mission should be to optimize our resources so we have the best outcome. It's critical. I can say essential. It is absolutely needed to have it. But right now, I got to tell you, between people wearing Rhino Slayer hats out there and calling people moderates and this and that, we are not unifying for a purpose at all. Right now, it's much easier. And I've said this before. Uh, in meetings and such, that it's easier to hit your brother and sister at the dinner table than it is to walk across the street and tell a neighbor they're doing something wrong, okay, that they're they're misaligned or stopping somebody from really doing something bad. So fights next to you are easier, and that's why we fight within the Republican Party. It's somebody wants to call somebody names. When we come back, I'm going to tell you a little story about Mojave County and one of our most conservative counties in the state of Arizona. And I'm going to tell you a story. When I was chairman, I was going up there for a reorganization meeting. This will set the stage for all the policy and the dynamics that we're going to talk about going forward. And then this focus, which is coming up on us very quickly, of the general election. Again, the goal is to paint this state red, make this state a barrier so that the progressive left, their outside money and stuff will stay clear of Arizona. We can do it. If we have the right strategy and we implement, and if all of us say, hey, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. Let's get it together and do the best we possibly can. Again, this is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Liebson. I'm glad I'm here. I'm looking forward to sharing these stories with you. So stay tuned. I'll tell you about Mojave when we come back from this break. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham again filling in for Seth Liebson. And we've got a lot to cover as it relates to the world that we live in today. Again, half this stuff feels like you're reading some action novel and trying to find your way to some reality and being entertained at the same time. But then you scratch your head and lean back and go, is this really happening? I can't even believe this by way of, of all the moving parts and a lot of things that are suggested and things that are really, really, really happening as we get there. Going into the break, 
I was talking a little bit about this whole notion of unified front. Again, we can talk about policy. We can we can go into every fiscal policy that works, every trade policy works. You start looking at all the labor policies and commerce and how do we work through education policies and this, that, and the other. And everything that we do and talk about today, if we haven't gotten, gotten ourselves or achieved those particular goals, is nothing but pie in the sky until we can actually execute a plan to have the best possible outcome. If we have to move the needle legislatively, then we need to unify a message. We have to have facts. We have to be able to bring emotion so people can relate to what we're talking about. And then we have to execute. We have to go out and do the best we can so we can bring people along, get them to vote. Vote for our candidates. Get them to vote for the policy. If it's some other initiative that's on the table, what have you. Unify to have the best possible outcome. Well, the worst thing that we can do is divide the house, right? When people, when I'm saying house, it's your home, it's the party, it's what have you. You can go ahead and you can define yourself the best you can. You can say you're the most conservative person in the world. And I I get almost physically ill when I hear people say rhino. And if you listeners don't know what that means, because we heard it in so many dang ads this year, it means Republican in name only. Now, somebody out there is waving a banner saying, hey, let me define who that person is for you. And they may pick one issue, one topic, and then they center on that and they smash on. Now, there are people that are out there that I will tell you they are what I would call faux Republicans. They have no interest in conservative values, the Republican platform, and they're not interested. They're interested in themselves. But that goes with both parties, okay? You don't hear people say dinos, Democrats in name only, what have you. But the reality is there's a lot of self-interested people that are going to do what they're going to do. What we want elected people to do is think about their constituents. And when they stand at the helm after being elected, they don't just represent Republicans. They represent the people of Arizona. And so the idea is to balance, push, and push the policy that is the best Governing principles, which I believe are the conservative principles, the best values and principles to govern. And that's where we find our way to it. But this sounds great, right? We're all nodding our heads and say we agree, Robert. But the reality is that's not what's happening on the ground. In order for us to win, you unify. Look, we talk about our military, how Obama shrank our military. Trump came in and tried to rebuild it, our Navy specifically, really working hard to get more ships, get more boots on the ground, doing everything he possibly could. Why? Because when you have size and mass, you have influence as far as outcomes. Conflicts are less likely to happen and so on. The same thing happens in politics. When you create a body that can actually go out and influence elections. And what I mean by that is you're knocking doors, you're educating people, you're encouraging them to vote, you're driving them to the voting booth for heaven's sakes, doing whatever it takes. Well, then you start to have the outcome that you hope for. Bottom line, you're motivating people. They call it GOTV, getting out the vote. So I was a brand new chairman. This is back in 2000, early, early, early 2013, probably. And I was going up to Mojave County, which is, again, one of my favorite counties in the whole, on the planet. And it's a very conservative county. I get out of my car. I'm there for a reorganization meeting. They're changing their ownership or excuse me, their leadership up there. And they wanted me to come up and conduct because there had some consternation. There was some conflict and contention there in their county meetings. And so they asked me to come up and conduct. So, again, this is my first time to conduct a county meeting outside of Maricopa County, outside of a legislative district, what have you. So I'm a little nervous, whatever. I get out of the car, got a box of stuff, just kind of hauling it in, had an assistant with me. And this guy comes up and says, are you really going to that meeting to conduct? And I said, yeah. And I said, what's the problem? There's going to be a fight in there today. I said, a fight? Like argument? No, no, fist fight. They're going to get physical today. I said, who's going to fight? And he goes, 
the rhinos and the conservatives. And I'm like, whoa, that sounds pretty intense. And he's like, you don't even know. So I keep walking through this parking lot. As I get to this school, it was in a school. I walk through or, or library. I get through the front door. Another person comes up to me. Don't go in there today. And nothing's happened so far, right? People are just going in to sit down. They're getting credentialed and what have you. And I'm like, why not? And he says, because there's going to be a fight in there. You're crazy. Everybody's really the, the, and I said, who? The rhinos against the conservatives. You know, there's a whole bunch of moderate squish balls in here. And there's us conservatives. And there's going to be a fight. And I said, fist fight? They said, fist fight. And I'm like, holy cow, this is insane, right? Here I feel like I've really ventured into the wild, wild west. And again, if you know Mojave County, you know where they stand on issues. There's no question about it, okay? And, and there's a lot of room for a battle like this to, to ensue, especially if the leadership doesn't stand and take a stand so i go up there in front and i i I gavel the meeting to begin we get going and i said before we start i have one question for this body because on the way in here i heard two two people told me not to come in the meeting because there was going to be a fist fight and people started to squirm a little bit in their chairs and they sat up and they looked and they you know (laughs) a little nervous laughter but you could feel the contention in this room and I said, I couldn't believe when I heard that. And then I came to the, the door and another person told me. And I'm thinking, my gosh. And I, and I heard it's going to be a fight between the rhinos and the conservatives. And then a couple of people, yeah, you know, you could hear the little rumble of, yeah, that's right. And I said, okay, do me a favor. Before we get going and before a fight ventures out here, would the most conservative person in the room please stand up? So this is probably 150, 200 people that were in the room. And I said that and I just sat there quiet whole room you could hear a pin hit the not one person stood up okay so i didn't stop so i i looked around i said come on people i said here we've got this battle that's going to ensue between the rhinos and the conservatives with the most conservative person in the room please stand up and again now you get a little nervous laughter People are super ultra uncomfortable. Now, if you've been in a meeting or a venue where somebody asks a question like that, I didn't say a word for like 30 seconds. I just let them bake in this, okay, because there was so much contention in this room. And so then I asked one more time. I said, listen, if you guys are going to call somebody a rhino and you're going to find them, there's got to be a checklist or something around here that has a bunch of questions, and you just go right down that checklist, say, yep, 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 conservative, conservative. Oh, this guy has them all. He's the most conservative. You've got to be able to really define who that conservative person is before you can point at somebody and call them a rhino. Or they don't answer enough positive questions, so they fall into the rhino category. So, again, I'm going to ask you, most conservative person in the room, stand up. Uh, At this point, people are getting mad at me now, okay? And they're super uncomfortable. Guess what? Nobody stood up. And so my message after that was, what in the world are you doing? Okay, is it because maybe you don't like the way they they voted on somebody in a school board, or maybe it was a county supervisor, or maybe it was somebody that was in the legislature, or maybe it was just a policy or something else that was moving around that you didn't like. And now you're just going to toast them and maybe even get in a physical fight and get arrested. But this county party will have zero success. If you fight each other, there's no power with calling names. There's no call power without unifying. So the whole mission here is, is that those differences, you go, okay, I got it. We're different here. And, but we need our nominees to win. So we're going to hitch the wagons together and we're going to start to row in the same direction. We're going to donate. We're going to knock doors. We're going to make phone calls and we're going to do what we can for the best possible outcome. Can it happen? Yes, it did. 
2014, 2016, and on, okay? But now we've forgotten the process, and we have to come back to it. Stop being angry and start using all that energy for best wins. Again, it's Robert Graham. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you're having a fantastic day and enjoying the weather and all the different dynamics that are happening out there right now. We've got a lot of issues that are stirring up everybody, and it is something else to say uh, say it clearly. Okay, I want to actually take us, if you haven't gone to the website, Real Clear Politics, you can actually download it on your app, on your phone, get an app. You can get it on online, just realclearpolitics.com. And when you get there, there are some articles that are interesting. They kind of aggregate articles from all over the place. And, and a lot of times they're the most read articles. Drudge Report does this. If you use Apple News, they kind of, but they, they definitely slant it. And you can start to teach it the way you think about it. But what I want to point to is the polls, okay? If you go, you click on polls, and you get into the poll system here, I want to talk a little bit about what I was uh, alluding to as it related to this unified front. As you get out there and you start focusing on what's right, you can have fantastic outcomes. You can push the needle. You can do great things. And you can win elections. And you can win policy debate. Not just the debate, but you can also get it in the legislation. And you can do legislation. And then you can get it to where you want it to be. It's, again, it's what you do to move the needle forward. And it takes a concerted effort. I mean, Roe versus Wade is a really good example. We had a whole bunch of people for many, many years that were unifying resources and messaging, working with lawmakers, retired lawmakers, but up, but up, but up. They pushed and they got it to the point where the argument was very clear on how it was working, okay? That this wasn't a federal issue, this was a state issue, and that we needed to focus on uh, this whole notion of federalism and push it back to the states to let the states decide. Again, there's again a miscalculation as it relates to the way that people are defining the whole life issue in the news and the Roe versus Wade ruling. And this is back to the states, okay? So again, giving people the choice to vote and act the way they want. But if you're unified and you want to protect life, you're going to have the best outcome. So anyways, you get to this, and there's a congressional poll. So you've seen these generic polls where they say, how are, how are things going? Like, what's the job approval with our Congress? And then you look and say they take generic ballots. Ballots and they put out surveys and they say, again, if you you look at these likely voters that have high propensity and you say, okay, if it's Republicans, would you vote for them or Democrats, would you vote for them and so on? So lots of different groups that do this. Emerson, uh, Trafalgar uh, group does it. USA Today, Harvard, CBS, Mammoth, Insiders, a whole bunch of groups. Rasmussen, Gallup, you know, Politico, Economist, they're all doing polls for different types, but they're all kind of finding themselves in the same area. I want to point your attention to where we were in July of this year. So just, you know, not even a month ago. Actually, if you look at July, back even just uh, the 20th of July, okay, and the 22nd of July, there were multiple polls that came out. And if you see this bar chart in front of you, the line chart, the Republicans were eight points up. Okay, we were like, it's kind of a no brainer. We keep talking about this red wave that happens out there and everybody's going, yes, it's going to be Republican year, what have you. But just since the 22nd to today, the Democrats are up by six. Okay, different polls, likely different sampling. But the reality is, if you look at they average them together, it's one point separating us now. So it's anybody's game. Now, if you look and at, at what we've got cooking out there, we've got gender dynamics, 
You've got the IRS thing that's happening. Now you have this invasion on Trump, okay, as it relates to the FBI coming in and Garland weaponizing the FBI to do whatever they're doing. And they say it's not political. This is, come on, this is crazy. You get into what is, what's happening with the economy, what's happening with energy, all of these different things and the targets that they have. They're pinpointing people, places, things to do these things. It's a Solinsky tactic where you start all these brush fires and what happens is every spreads out and then you don't have a unified voice. But we've done it to ourselves. We're again, we're dividing our party by fighting each other. And we've done it ourselves. But here, here again is like when we had the House and the Senate and the presidency, we blew it, right? We didn't overturn the Affordable Health Care Act. We didn't put things in a place that we really wanted to do. Just we could not unify because there was no mojo. Nobody was wanting to sing, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. They would hold hands and act like they were going to sing. But as soon as they walked out the door, nothing happened. But so here we go. We look at this. And you've heard people say that the momentum is shifting from a red wave to likely a blue wall. And that just terrifies me, especially when we had this opportunity to make it happen. So when we come back, we're going to look at some of these things and the way that the Democrats talk to the American people to get their attention. They don't just say HR or HB 12651 bill and blah, 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 or Senate bill this. They put names to everything and they do it to bring emotion into it and to try to make it relatable to people. Solve a problem with the name of the bill, for heaven's sakes, and you'll get an idea. It's simple. But then it allows people to circle around, and guess what they start to unify? Message, purpose, timing, and then outcome. And that, that is it. Again, this is not a formula that somebody just, voila, created one day. It is practical, and it's legitimate, and it works. It's basic business, too, if you want to have great outcomes. So, again, we come back. If you don't know how to tie it all together, we're going to tie it together, and we're going to use some samples from now. Hey, welcome back, everybody. When we were going to the breaks, we're talking again about this whole notion of unifying around and getting our people to do what we possibly can. Today, again, when you go through all the news, there's so much to talk about and there's so much to think about. But again, all this policy discussion, all this stuff that's happened with the IRS, all the spending bills, all this talk about inflation, everything. Again, if you don't have a solution or some kind of defense to it, they're just going to trounce on us. That's one of the things that the, the progressive left has done. It feels very... Uh, Asian in a sense that you think about like with the Chinese, they have these hundred year plans, right? They're very patient. They're very methodical. They're very intentional. Same way with Afghan wars and things like that. It's very patient. It's very intentional. It's very methodical. And it's time, 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 time. One of the Ayatollahs, I, I think it was Hamani, he basically came out and said, you know, we know that when the Americans are here battling or whatever, they'll eventually go home. They just get tired and go home. And, and that's exactly what happens, right? And so they figure if they can be patient and just kind of live out, maybe they get some people hurt. Maybe they get hurt. But the reality is, is they'll be patient, live it out, and then they'll start their jihad or their motion or movement again to conquer because they have time and patience. Well, we are wired differently as an American people. It's this whole notion of immediate gratification, get it done, fight hard, do what we can. But the thing that we have to do is, again, it's, it's who are we looking at to target as our enemy. The progressive lefts have no interest in God. They have no interest in family. They have no interest in um, anything. In my mind, I'm talking about progressive left. The, the wild and crazies that are out there have no interest in, the, in really anything that I would consider virtuous. It's disgusting, quite honestly. Everything that seems to be something that you might hold somebody accountable for, whether it's breaking a law 
or doing something that's horrible that a young person shouldn't do, they seem to say, hey, that's all right. You're just one of us. Let's add another initial to the LBGT alphabet here, and then we'll just call it something else because you don't need to be accountable. We're just going to single you out and make sure you're taken care of. And the reality is that unification, that purpose and that focus is what is just unraveling so much of our, our America. So now look at this. This is where we get into titling and messaging. So think about the Affordable Health Care Act. People call it Obamacare. The Democrats call it the Affordable Health Care Act. Who doesn't want affordable health care? If you're listening to me and you have more than just one person in your family, you know what the heck I'm talking about right now. Your premiums are probably significant. <clears throat> Excuse me, your deductibles might be massive. And you're hoping to get great care. Remember, Obama said you'll be able to keep your doctor. Well, we know that was one of the biggest lies in America. But the reality is, it's expensive. It's insane, right? So the Affordable Health Care Act came in, and it's been nothing but unaffordable. It's been, I mean, nothing but affordable. It's been nothing short of uh, the most painful thing that most Americans have had to experience. I can't tell you how many people I talk to today that are uninsured because they just can't keep up with it. There are families that are spending anywhere from 1500 to 2200 a month in premium just to make sure that they're safe, that they don't have these catastrophic dynamics that happen, but Affordable Health Care Act. So they sell the public on a name, okay? And they do that. Now, think about all the stories that you can tell, you could manufacture around the notion of the Affordable Health Care Act. We heard them. We heard them from Pelosi. We heard them from Obama. We heard them from Schumer. We heard them from every Democrat, Bernie Sanders, and so on and so on and so on, Hillary Clinton, and on and on and on. They kept saying, why wouldn't you want this? And everybody's going, yes, we would. But when you started to peel back the onion, 67% of the public said they didn't want it. They wanted to keep it as it was, maybe modify the broken things and just don't throw things out. But the reality was they kept pushing the narrative and eventually convinced their constituents, or not their constituents, their colleagues, and they passed the darn thing. Okay, they rammed it down our throats and they did it. But we stomached it a little differently. And the low-information voters were okay with it because they're saying, Affordable Health Care Act, why wouldn't they want that? So now here comes the genius of the Democratic Party. And I can't believe I said that in the same sentence, but I'm telling you, they're beating us at the game. And they come out with a bill or an act called the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, who's not feeling pain right now, right? You go to the pump. I drive a big, fat, ugly 6.7 Power Stroke diesel to haul horses, to drive back and forth. Do I mean, that's my main primary car. I'm lucky if I get 14 miles to the gallon. Diesel. Diesel isn't cheap, okay? Today, diesel is really expensive because of what's happened with the energy policies in this nation, okay? Because I pay more at the pump, that is inflationary economics, Okay. When you have a government that's dumping gobs and gobs and gobs of money and by way of stimulus or subsidies or doing this, that, and the other, your money supply gets so massive that the most basic definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. So what happens? We get these inflationary dynamics that happen within our country. There's so much money out there. Housing prices go crazy. This happens. That happens. And now... The government goes, oh, my gosh, inflation is at 9%. We are, we're dead if we're not careful here. But this is the thing. They look at this core inflation, and they say it's between 85 and 9%. How about your housing costs? 
they've gone up 30-something percent, okay, like apartments and such. How about your beef and food costs? Gone up 57, all the way up to 63%, okay? Then you start looking at other necessities, printer ink, paper. I talked about wood, for heaven's sakes, plywood, quarter inch, four by eight sheet, 44 bucks, 24 bucks. The cheap stuff was 24 bucks. And I look at that and I think about when I was a kid and I was building like skateboard ramps, it was like eight bucks a sheet, maybe, okay, maybe even a little less. Even, I don't know how many months ago, I'd say eight months ago, nine months ago when we were putting together, I was getting half inch plywood for that cost, okay? And quality stuff. So you start looking at this going, what is happening? Well, what we don't feel is if you're not buying plywood, you don't feel that kind of inflation. If you're not filling up your tank as often as I am, maybe you don't feel that. My brother lives in Michigan, and he's having a very difficult time right now because he he fills up his gas tank twice a week, and it's over $100 per gas tank. Drives a truck, gas-powered truck, one of the Econo Boost deals. Gets way better mileage than mine does. But because of his life and his kids and his wife's dynamics, he drives a lot, and that's what happens. And so you get there. So now guess what? He's trying to figure out a different type of vehicle to drive. He's starting to alter his behavior because he feels the pressure of what? Inflation. So any of these people that talk about inflation, the Reduction Act, they're crazy. And when you start looking at the bill and some of the purposes and taxation and things like that, it all rolls downhill. And it all will get to the consumer and change our lifestyles. And we will spend and consume in a very, very different way. So, for instance, if I'm... XYZ company, and I manufacture a widget that every household needs and wants. And all of a sudden, these guys come along and say, you know what, Mr. Corporation, you are making way too much money right now, and we're going to tax you, and we're going to increase your tax by 6 7 8%. Well, this company, most companies in America don't have massive margins, so they could be 4 to 14%, 12%, 8% margins, but you get a tax, 10% tax increase, it's going to eat into that margin. So these companies are not just... Uh, beholden to their personal income. They've got shareholders and people that are expecting them to do things. And so in order for them to maintain, they will likely increase the cost of what? The products and services that they offer to you. That little widget may go up 10%. It may go up 12% or what have you because they want to maintain wages. They want to keep people happy. They want to do what they possibly can. Wages and investment returns will drop as soon as you start to increase taxes like this or put the constraint on them like this. And then I'll, I'll talk about the IRS dynamics that's going to come along with this. But you start looking like this, and you'll start to see these other points of inflation as we get back. So when we get back, I'll share some other numbers with you that you all know and you all feel. But this whole notion of the Inflation Reduction Act, you've got to have your eyes wide open and be able to stop people when they actually start to sing the praises of this act. It isn't what it is said to be. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and we're wrapping up this first hour. Thanks for joining us. I'm filling in for Seth Leapson today, my good buddy, and hopefully he's having a, a great day and enjoying himself. You guys, as you're out and about today, just again, when the world seems like it's putting the ultimate pressure on us, we need to look up at the sky, recognize that the birds keep flying, the sun keeps rising, the moon uh, appears most nights because of our cloudless environment here. And you know what it is, what it is, and, and life just keeps cooking along, and we have to find our way into a very productive 
spot so that we can help have great outcomes. And I think that that's the mission here. So as we were talking about inflation, this whole promise of the Inflation Reduction Act, we have to think about really what's happening here. And so I'm going to share a clip when we come back from the long break of Joe Biden and just talking. You may have heard part of his speech this morning, and he talked about inflation. And he had two words for us. And we come back, you get to hear those words. And those two words were just mind-blowing to somebody like me, somebody that has an economic background, somebody that has the intimacy of what's going on day-to-day in your personal life like you do should be offended by these two words. And so when you think about how Joe Biden tries to oversimplify things to us, he doesn't treat the American public as if we're smart. And so then he also, in this little segment here, it's only a couple minutes long, he forecasts something else. So you've got two words that we're going to discuss, and he's going to give you a forecast. And it's one of these political speeches I said to my wife this morning, or this we had lunch today, I said it was a genius speech because he, he gave you a little up front, made you feel warm and fuzzy, but then he, he found his way out of the hole with the other half of his speech. So again, it is understanding what you're hearing. And again, many people that are listening to this show can process. You're pretty good at being a processor and, and looking at what's, what's really truthful, maybe what's really made out of something organic. And um, in this case, he is one of those people that will try to oversimplify and bring us into it. So we start talking again about this whole notion of infl- in, the inflation and uh, what they're trying to do to counter inflation. So just to give you a little quick tutorial on inflation in a really simple sense. When people are, we have all these dollars, I said too many dollars chasing too few goods. When you try to get that money out of the economy, what do you do? You raise interest rates. So we have bonds that will be issued with higher interest rates. And what will people will do is they'll, they'll buy those bonds and the government gets to suck it back in. Okay. And so that's one way to do it. Then it becomes more appealing for investors to go pursue those interest rates. The other thing is when you start looking at lending, like mortgages and other things like that, they raise the rates and then we're less likely to go borrow money. And that money that we borrow to go pay for a house then goes to the builders and that, 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 and it goes all the way along. And then not to mention all the other stuff that we may be purchasing with that, with those dollars, all that money gets constricted right up too. So it slows things down. What's happened, it's been super aggressive where we pushed ourselves into a recession. We haven't had growth over three quarters and they will use that word either, but they'll use this inflation reduction act and they'll make it sound like we don't have inflation, but the reality is we do. And so we come back. I'm going to share with you those two words from Mr. Biden. And I'm also going to let you hear his gloomy forecast that is a way for him to CYA, cover his bacon in a number of ways so that you don't hold him accountable. And that's their game. We'll be right back after the break.